We're on the record. I'm Sheila Cass. Good morning. The stories of Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass, their roots in Maryland, and their extraordinary advocacy for freedom come alive in two documentaries commissioned by Maryland Public Television. The films were created by executive producer and director Stanley Nelson, whose documentaries chronicling the African-American experience have won scores of accolades, among them the 2016 NAACP Image Award for the feature-length The Black Panthers, Vanguard of the Revolution. His documentary, Attica, earned the Directors Guild Award for Outstanding Directorial Achievement and his feature film for Netflix, Crack, Cocaine, Corruption, and Conspiracy, was a 2022 DuPont Columbia Awards finalist. On the History Channel, Tulsa Burning, the 1921 Race Massacre, with co-director Marco Williams, was nominated for three Primetime Emmy Awards. When we spoke last September, ahead of the premiere, I asked Nelson what drew him to this pair of films, Becoming Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman, Visions of Freedom. Well, first I should say what an honor it was to tell tell those stories. I mean, you know, I knew a little bit about Frederick Douglass and a little bit about Harriet Tubman, uh, but making the films was a real chance to jump in and, and dive deep in, into their lives and to their legacies. So I was really excited and honored to make these films. Well, let's talk about the Tubman film, which is subtitled Visions of Freedom. I mean, Visions is not just a poetic flourish. Talk about her visions. Yeah, one of the things that that that, that I learned, and I think you know most people will learn when they see the film, is uh, you know Harriet Tubman um, was in, in a weird accident was was hit on the head um, with a weight as she, when she was a little girl, and um, uh, she saw visions for the rest of her life. She really believed in the visions that she saw, and and the visions kind of told her that that her mission was to to free people. Um, so we use that kind of metaphor, and, and we we. Uh, name the film uh, Visions of Freedom. The actress Alfre Woodard narrates the film. Early on, we hear her voice, some thoughts that Tubman wrote later. In the eastern shore of Maryland, Dorchester County is where I was born. I remember I prayed to God to make me strong and able to fight. And that's what I've prayed for ever since. God's time is always near. He set the North Star in the heavens. He gave me the strength in my limbs. He meant I should be free. Several historians in the film talk about Tubman's sense that God was always guiding her. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that that's um, something that, that Harry Tubman believed. Um, as people say in the film, you know, it was a time where the majority of people were much more uh, religious uh, or, or, or their lives were based in religion than, than people are today. And so it wasn't um, uh, that abnormal that, that Harry Tubman felt that she was guided by God. I think the visions that she had were abnormal, but, but I think that uh, you know, Harry Tubman for all her life felt that, that she was doing God's work. Well, this view of Tubman as a visionary, not just clever and courageous and strong, but driven by visions, was this an idea you had when you started or did it form as you talked to historians? Yeah, it was an idea that that, that came about from 
uh, discussions with historians um, over and over again, uh, the historians that we talked to talked about uh, the, the visions that even that um, Harriet Tubman uh, kind of had, uh, as someone says in the film, you know, a handicap, you know, um, because uh, we don't think about her that way. But but she did have these, you know, incredible headaches and and incredible visions. And so um, it was something that that we learned while we were making the film, um, and we wanted to to really make it part of, uh, you know, Harriet Tubman's life and Harriet Tubman's story. That's documentarian, director, and producer Stanley Nelson. On the record on WIPR, I'm Sheila Cast. We're talking about his documentary, available on Maryland Public Television, Harriet Tubman, Visions of Freedom. Tubman made, it's thought, 13 trips back to Maryland and brought to the North about 70 enslaved people, not always the people she was seeking when she set out. Talk about how she didn't waste her trips. You know, we should understand that Harriet Tubman was an escaped uh, person, an escaped enslaved person. So she took great risk to her own freedom uh, to go back and free people. And one of the first trips she made um, was to to go back to get her husband. And when she got to her husband, um, she realized that he had he had remarried and that he he did not want to go. Um, and but she didn't waste she didn't waste her trip. She found some other people who wanted to uh, escape to freedom and um, brought them along and, and, and took them to freedom. And then the same thing you report in I, what I guess was her last secret trip in 1860 after Lincoln had been elected but had not become president yet. She was heading back for her sister, Rachel. Yeah, and and um, she found that that her sister had passed away. Um, and again, she didn't waste time, and 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 she didn't waste the trip, and she took an, another family to freedom. Um, people had no communication with with the enslaved population, you know, so that her sister had passed. It wasn't that that somebody could write her a letter or or send her a telegram and say that you know your sister passed. She didn't know, um, and, and and that was part of the uh, way that enslavement worked, you know, that uh, it was isolating. One of your historians also points out that enslaved people who liberated themselves were the original abolitionists. Yeah, one of the things I, I, I always say is that that the, the first abolitionist was the first African that was enslaved. You know, that was that was the first person who said, "Okay, no, this is wrong." So, um, one of the things that 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 we wanted to do in the film um, uh, was one um, really talk about the abolitionists and and the Underground Railroad as being you know largely powered by African Americans. So many times, um, historians told us, you know, as one person says in the film, you know, we think about, uh, so we talk about the Underground Railroad, and we think about Quakers, white Quakers, but um, the Underground Railroad um, was largely African Americans, especially in the South. The courage that Tubman showed in those missions back to Maryland is is more than I can fathom. But your film details a whole other liberation effort she organized in the South during the Civil War. Tell us about yeah. that. 
Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's so amazing about about Harriet Tubman is is that uh, she died in 1913. So she she lived, you know, uh, many different lives. She lived in a life as an enslaved girl. She lived in a life as the uh, abolitionist and 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 uh, woman who who helped free uh, African Americans from enslavement. But also, she in in the Civil War, she was uh, kind of a spy, and, and she led. Uh, incredible raid um, where they freed a huge plantation um, and and the uh, enslaved people from the plantation all ran and, and got on these boats that, that Harriet Tubman led um, into the South and, and led uh, this huge group of people to freedom. And of course, the fight for equality did not stop after the Civil War. Tell us about the incident on the train. Yeah, one of the things that that that, that happened at, after the Civil War, you know, nobody under nobody knew what 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 this country was going to be, and I think for so many people, you know, um, African Americans and and so many white folks too, um, the, there was a feeling that this country, you know, would really change, it would turn a corner, the the you know, uh, slavery is ended. Um, it's gonna it's gonna change things. But right after the war, um, Harry Tubman was, was on a train. And um, she had a pass um, because she was a Civil War hero. Um, and uh, the conductor um, asked her to, to go into one of the train cars in the back. She refused. And, uh, you know, he, he forcibly tried to remove her from the from the train car. Again, Harriet Tubman was incredibly strong for a small a small woman. And um, he ended up with with another conductor breaking her arm. Uh-huh. And. I think that one of the things that, uh, you know, Harriet Tubman realized at that point was that, you know, it was not going to be uh, smooth sailing. It was not going to be a complete turnaround in this country that um, enslavement was now replaced by Jim Crow. The other film is about Frederick Douglass. I want to ask you about that in a few minutes. But the more I learned about both of these people from your films, the more I wondered if there was a connection. I was so glad to hear part of a letter that Douglass wrote to Tubman in 1868. It's read by actor Wendell Pierce. Dear Harriet, the difference between us is very marked. Most that I have done and suffered in the service of our cause has been in public. The most you have done has been witnessed by a few trembling, scared, and foot-sore bondmen and women whom you have led out of the house of bondage and whose heartfelt, God bless you, has been your only reward. The midnight sky and the silent stars have been witness to your devotion to freedom and of your heroism. Of course, Douglas there is laying out only part of Harriet Tubman's legacy. How how would you summarize her legacy? I think that that Harriet Tubman um, was just an incredible individual. I think that you know she was a, a small, dark-skinned African American woman, and you know she was functionally illiterate, but she risked her life over and over again to free people from enslavement. And she felt that 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 was her mission in life. And so um, I just, um, you know, I just awed by by the bravery of, of Harriet Tubman and, and by the tenacity of Harriet Tubman. And, you know, that's why we're talking about her today, what, 170 years after, you know, the, the missions that she undertook to free people. 
pausing here in our conversation from September with filmmaker Stanley Nelson. We've been discussing his film, Harriet Tubman, Visions of Freedom. When we're back, we'll pick up the thread of what it meant to become Frederick Douglass. I'm Sheila Cass. Stay with us. I'm Al Waller. I'm Katherine Collinson. And I'm Mihaela Vince. In upcoming episodes of Clear Path, Your Roadmap for Life, we'll discuss ways to catch up on retirement savings and the importance of self-care. Tune in to WYPR's website and mobile app, all major podcast platforms, and transamericainstitute.org. Welcome back to On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast. Frederick Douglass, born Frederick Augustus Washington Bailey on Maryland's eastern shore, never knew precisely when he was born, probably 1817 or 1818. After he had escaped to freedom, he described himself as a graduate of the peculiar institution of slavery, with a diploma written on his back in the scars of the many beatings he had suffered. We spoke last September with Stanley Nelson, who created the documentary Becoming Frederick Douglass. It will re-air on MPT Saturday at 10 p.m. and can also be screened on the MPT website. Stanley, those of us today looking back at Douglass's extraordinary impact as an advocate and revolutionary thinker need a reminder of what it meant to become Frederick Douglass. Early in the film, you let us hear from Christopher Bonner, Associate Professor of History at the University of Maryland. Douglass was becoming various things across his life. He was becoming free and figuring out how to make himself a person who was not enslaved. He was becoming literate and becoming a person who had cultivated all sorts of knowledge that he could use in his politics. And what's most interesting is that he was becoming a person who could change what the nation was and help to eliminate the institution of slavery. When and how did this idea of becoming present itself to you as the theme for this film? One of the things that, that, that we had to do when we started um, the film that became Becoming Frederick Douglass is that we had to figure out how, how we could talk in a substantive way about Frederick Douglass's life, given we only had an hour. So we said, let's tell the, the story of the first half of his life or, you know, the first part of his life where he, he goes from uh, being an enslaved young boy, uh, illiterate, to the end he's thought of as being probably the most photographed uh, American in, in, in the uh, 19th century. You walk us through some of the self-creation, recreation young Frederick Bailey did on the Eastern Shore and in Baltimore, how he grabbed chances to learn to read. But he was trained as a ship's caulker. I mean, a skill, but manual labor. How did he get to that third challenge Professor Bonner laid out, the idea that he could change the nation? I think it, it was very gradual. When he, he married, he married a, a free African-American woman, and um, you know she encouraged him to escape, escape from Baltimore, escape from Maryland, into the North where he could claim his freedom. And he start, he did that. And because he had that experience of being enslaved, he started speaking in, in, in abolitionist meetings. And very quickly, um, other abolitionists realized that he was an incredible speaker. 
and that he could convey the horrors of enslavement uh, in a way that that few people could and and so that gradually he just he became a, an outstanding speaker a sought after speaker and and traveled um all over the country speaking or at least in the north of the country speaking against slavery and for abolition unlike tubman's family who tried to hold her back uh, the woman behind frederick Bailey, when he was still Frederick Bailey, before he'd escaped, Anna Murray encouraged him and sold some of her belongings to finance his escape. Kenneth B. Morris, Jr., president of the Frederick Douglass Family Initiatives, muses in your film that if she hadn't, who knows if he would have had the courage and wherewithal to escape, and if that hadn't happened, we would be a different country today. What are your thoughts about what would have happened? Yeah, I, I think think that that who knows what what would have happened. You know, we're, we're just kind of guessing, but but I, I think that it was um, r- really something that that we wanted to do to to be able to to talk about uh, Frederick Douglass, his, his wife, and and the role that she had, because um, too many times, um, you know, Anna Marie is not uh, included in the stories of Frederick Douglass, and she was instrumental in him becoming Frederick Douglass. This is On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast, speaking to filmmaker Stanley Nelson, executive producer and director of the documentary Becoming Frederick Douglass. Of course, photography was new around the time of the Civil War. I, I knew that Frederick Douglass was the most photographed American in the 19th century, but I'm not sure I knew why. In your film, Robert S. Levine, distinguished university professor of English at the University of Maryland College Park, explains... Frederick Douglass was obsessed with the way that black people were stereotyped, that they were made to look stupid, they were made to look savage. So he became preoccupied with how he looked. And you look at the images themselves and you see that he's up to something. It's it's presenting himself in this particular way. He is serious, he's engaged, he's really smart. As a filmmaker, that aspect of Douglas must have fascinated you. Yeah, I mean, it was in, in, incredible. You know, just the 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 pictures that 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 he took. You know, the, the the that he posed for the way he he's meeting the camera head on. He's staring into the camera. He's he. It's like his eyes, his whole face, his whole demeanor is, is saying, you know, um, how can you enslave this man? How can you say that 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 I am inferior to anybody in the world? Um, it's 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 one of the incredible uh, use early uses of of photography, and in, in the film, you know that was a gift that that, that we could use because you know you, you see it, you, you just see it in in in, in his eyes and, and in his look. Both. Becoming Frederick Douglass and the companion film Harriet Tubman, Visions of Freedom, detail how the Fugitive Slave Act passed in 1850 ratcheted up pressures on African-Americans, both enslaved and free. How, how did it change things? Well, the Fugitive Slave Act, you know, in 1850 said, you know, no, you know, slave, slavery is, 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 is not about to end. I mean, one of the things that, that, that we forget in this country is that, is that enslavement was supposed to go on forever. All right. Yeah. And, and it went on um, for 
uh, you know, generations and generations and generations and generations. Um, but the Fugitive Slave Act said, okay, we're, we're, we're not about to end enslavement. Actually, um, if, if someone escapes from uh, enslavement and goes to the North, then it's not only are they not free because they've gone to the North, but it's illegal for anybody to help them you know, black or white, um, and that um, people can can be jailed if they if they give them any kind of help. And part of what the local police force has to do is return them to slavery, so that the police force in Philadelphia, New York, wherever in the North, you know, was their bound duty to to return them to en- enslavement. It was it was everybody's every citizen's obligation to return. An escaped slave um, to uh, enslavement. So, um, it, 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 and then psychologically, again, it, it said that no, um, slavery's not not over. Not not nearly over. It, it's it's kind of like we're going to double down on 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 all the um, horrors of, of of enslavement. And so Douglas thought after 1850 that war was inevitable. And when it started, he criticized Lincoln's approach. Why? Well, I mean, you know, you know, it, 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 one of the things that making this film gave us a chance to do is talk is talk about Lincoln and, and talk about, you know, um, some of the things that, that, that Lincoln said and, and what he felt. And he, Lincoln says over and over again that, that, that the war is not about enslavement. He says, you know, he famously, you know, um, if I have to, if I have to free, uh, slaves to to keep the union together. I'll do that if if I have to keep them enslaved to keep the union together. I'll do that, you know. Um, and and Frederick Douglass said, no, the the war is about enslavement. You can't you can't separate the facts of it of enslavement from the South and the fr- and the South uh, seceding from from the union. That's they all go hand in hand. So much more to talk about. What do you want viewers to take away from becoming Frederick Douglass? I think that 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 it, it's important that the viewers understand not only Frederick Douglass's life, but also the the progression that a man can take. You know, Frederick Douglass is a man. He's a man that started out as enslaved. He's a man that started out not being able to read or write. He's a man that basically taught himself to read or write and and became um, one of the most famous individuals, white or African-American in this country. Um, And he kept progressing. He kept trying to to change this this country and and make and make it better. And I think that's one of the things that uh, so important about the man that Frederick Douglass became. A couple historians in the Tubman film touch on this question. What was it do you think about Maryland that produced these two astonishing icons as different as they are? I'm glad you asked that question because one of the things that that uh, we really uh, were intrigued by was the whole idea of of Maryland and 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 enslavement in Maryland. You know, Maryland's a special place. You know, it it, it was a, it was a, it was what was called a border state, so people could could literally walk to freedom, you know, and, and, and both Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass married um, uh, free people while they were enslaved. Um, you know, part of, a large part of the African-American population in Maryland was free. Another part of 
a large part of the African-American population was enslaved. And that's very different from the Deep South. You know, in, in the Deep South, um, the, the only African-Americans that, that, that you might know or, or, or meet as an, as an enslaved person were other enslaved people. But in Maryland, the African-Americans knew that there was something else, knew that there was something called freedom. And I think that's what helped produce Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass. Thank you. Thanks for this conversation. Oh, thank you so much. Acclaimed documentary filmmaker Stanley Nelson is executive producer and director of Harriet Tubman, Visions of Freedom, and Becoming Frederick Douglass. We spoke in September. The films are co-productions of Firelight Films and Maryland Public Television with an appropriation from the state of Maryland. Both can be screened at the MPT website, and the Douglas film will air on MPT Saturday at 10 p.m. More information at the On the Record page at wypr.org. I'm Sheila Cast. So glad you've joined us on the record. Come back tomorrow. (laughs) 